In high school, learning how to compete becomes fun. Learning how to like come together as a team and strive for something that maybe your school, your whoever, didn't think you could do, like becomes part of the fun. It's like it integrates more with the competition without losing the perspective. Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. I'm Steve Magnus, joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Brad Stolberg. Brad, what's going on? This past weekend, the North Asheville Tigers 6U baseball team, Coach Pitch slash T-Ball, had back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Yours truly coaches third base. And um, we had a really good weekend. We're recording this on a Monday. The show will come out Wednesday. So uh, I'm fresh off of a weekend of youth sports. That is awesome because it is relevant because today, you guessed it, we're talking about youth sports. And if you have kids, this is going to be a worthwhile listen. If you don't, it's also going to be important because I think youth sports and the culture around it gets to a much broader issue and topic in especially uh, American, you know, the landscape, the society that we live in. So let's dive into youth sports. And maybe to set this foundation, I just want to hear, since you're newly involved in the uh, t-ball world and coaching world, what's your experience been like? So far, so good, I must say. Um, I think that there's a fair amount of selection bias. So first, it's literally 6U, coach and kid pitch. So if you're a crazy parent at this age, then um, you really probably need some professional help. And I say that seriously, and we haven't come across that yet. Um, it's been great. I, um, I think baseball is definitely the hardest organized sport to get a young kid into because it is a fairly slow game. Um, so I think that that is the, the biggest challenge that we faced. But otherwise, it's been, it's been lovely. Um, it's interesting, you know, there's a lot of potential gear that one could have. So some kids show up with cleats and their own helmet and baseball pants and other kids show up with a t-shirt and sweatpants and Velcro shoes. And, um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It is just like the, you know, that's an interesting observation. And my son is definitely in the latter category, uh, just cause he's growing so fast to be totally honest. But um, no, it's been it's been super low key. Everyone is just out there having fun. I will say, in myself and in others, because it's natural, there are times when the ball's in play and you want your team to make an out where you're like, throw it to first, throw it to first, and you catch yourself like actually getting into the game. And I think it's really easy to criticize parents from the sidelines when um, you do want your your kid or if you're the coach, your team to to do well. Um, but you got to be really aware of that because at the end of the day, they're, they're kids. Yeah. You're in kind of the, what I like to call, I don't know, the glory years of youth sports before it kind of gets crazy. So I'll be interested to hear how it changes. And, you know, I've got to see kind of all sides of this. So start out coaching high school kids. So you get the 14 to 18 year olds where they're coming out of that kind of youth sport and getting into the more serious and all that. And then on the other side of that, the college side, recruiting high school kids, 
But then I've also been fortunate to see because my wife is elementary school teacher, she gets invited to all these elementary school youth sports, soccer and football and baseball games. And I tag along because it's often an experience. And what you tend to see is sometime in relatively elementary school, often later elementary school, but the kind of shift between like, we're doing this for fun versus that competitiveness and often that competitiveness, not just for the kids, but on the sideline for the parents, like starts to where that, that where you fall on that fun to competitiveness it changes. And I've, I've, I had my eyes really open when I went to one use sport game. I'll, I'll keep it kind of general not to give it away, but there were, the, there were parents yelling at the ref for, I don't know, messing up some call or whatever. And, and I'm sitting here, sitting there and be like, yo, no one cares who wins your, your um, peewee football game or what have you. But of course, that's like, they do care. It's easy to get invested. So you have this kind of tear, this torn apart between fun and competitiveness that just grows and grows and grows and shifts more to, towards competitiveness. And I think this is really important for a couple of reasons. One, I'm going to throw out some data, is over the last decade, there's been a decline in youth sports from 6 to 12-year-olds. So you're starting to see less or fewer and fewer kids play regular team sports. Okay, I think in, in 2018, it was down to 37% of kids played uh, regular team sports. The second and more astonishing number is what happens right after that is we're seeing a, a crazy dropout rate at 13. So I think it's something like 70% of kids will quit sports by the time they're 13. So all those kids you're seeing you know, on your U6 team, 70% of those will be done before they even enter high school. And that's a shift that's occurred over the last you know, decade or two that is kind of pronounced. So with that kind of setting the stage, what we're going to try and do is talk about why that's occurring, whether that's a bad thing, and you know, kind of pick apart our view on youth sports and then going into adult sports. All right. So let me ask a quick clarifying question around that second statistic. The 70% drop off starting at age 13. Is that a big change from what one would expect historically? Because where my mind goes is that generally speaking, sports are participation based through middle school. And then in high school, you actually have to make the team. So it's self-limited because it's not just participation based. And I'm curious if if there's there's information on if that rate has gone down or if that's just the natural fall off you see when you go from playing in little league or the middle school team where everybody makes the team to high school where there's cuts. Yeah, that's uh that's a good question. I don't know it off the top of my head. I know that participation rates are down. I don't know if they've tracked leaving rates, but I think it's important to note this is by the time they're 13 years old. Mm. So you're still including, you're still in that junior high kind of phase as Got well. It. Yeah. So it's it's not quite like hitting the high school, which you'd expect to see some sort of decline because of sports, you know, participation versus 
whatever you want to call it. Got it. Okay. So thanks for clarifying that. I'm going to now go out of the weeds. Why does this matter? Why are youth sports important? I think that the biggest reason that comes to mind for me is that in a time where there is increasing tribalism in identity-based everything, based on the color of your skin, your religion or ethnicity, your political party, your view on a whole range of issues, you name it, sports is a wonderful place to connect at a core human level. And this doesn't mean to go quote unquote colorblind, which I actually don't think exists unless you're truly colorblind. But what it means is that you can appreciate the differentiation of your teammates and where they come from. But when you're out there on the field or the court, and when you're trying to win together and you're putting yourself through a challenge, that connects you at an essential human level. And um, I just go back to my own experience of youth sports, two notable ones. The first was growing up, I was really just better at basketball than most kids in my area. So I played for an AAU team and I was the only white kid on the team. And that was between sixth and eighth grade. And what a phenomenal experience for me to get exposed to black culture, to black people in a way that I hadn't been, um, to go to tournaments in the inner city that I probably wouldn't have otherwise gone into. And it kind of came to a head with a big statewide tournament where we were playing a team from Pinckney, Michigan, which is uh, somewhat rural. And one of the guys on the other team called our star player the N-word. And I was out there throwing punches. Those were my brothers. And this isn't like woke Brad. This is seventh grade Brad, right? <laughs> it's just like, no, like that's a, you do not call my brothers that. And that's an experience that you just simply can't have in school. And I wasn't doing this to protect them because they're a minority. I was doing this because those were my teammates. And then the other experience that I had like that is in high school where my football team just was like such a crazy melting pot of skin color, class, um, intellect in school, quote unquote, good kids or bad kids. And um, it was a place where people got exposed to each other. And again, it's not that the differences went away. The differences were appreciated, but then you could also connect on a core human level. And Steve, you have countless experiences too. We often joke, although we're not really joking, that if more kids played youth sports with people that don't look like them or that were brought up in different socioeconomic uh, strata from them, we think the world would be a better place. And we'll get to adult sports too, because the same is true for adults. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I absolutely, I had the same experience growing up in the suburbs of Houston as youth sports was probably my first introduction away from like primarily like white suburbia, right? And I look at my, especially in track and cross country, like my, my cross country team was majority Hispanic in, in high school. And just that exposure and introducing to that different culture, it's like you said, it's like they are your, they become your teammates and your brothers and the people you defend and, and all of that good stuff. And I think one of the reasons that does this 
is for a simple reason is because like sports expose you to the highest highs and the lowest lows, and you have to go through those and navigate them together. So you see people like super upset or crying after a big loss or whatever have you. You see people ecstatic. You see people like struggle. You see people succeed. And that like rawness of human emotion like brings people together and you're all, you know, presumably on the same team joined by this idea of we can, you know, do something together that is great, you know, win XYZ, qualify for, you know, XYZ, etc., which kind of creates that cohesion. So I think there's something magical about that that is, uh, unfortunately, you don't see in a lot of places. So having an environment where we can cultivate that, I think is huge. The other thing that is really interesting, and there's some data, especially around, you know, youth sports around play, is that it provides a place where we understand and get to practice and develop like conflict how to handle conflict, how to resolve conflict, how to handle our emotions when we go over the top, when we can't, like in a way where it's a little bit easier to like express yourself than, you know, I don't know, sitting in a classroom and failing a quiz or something like that. So I think it brings all these benefits and also has goal setting, not to mention like activity and fitness and whatever, but it fills this important gap in society that is, really important especially as we look at youth developing and developing their sense of identity and their sense of how to view the world yeah a couple additions um there's this famous study where a bunch of kids and we've talked about this on the podcast before um were taken to camp and they were sorted into the red team and the blue team and they were separated And that's all that it took for these kids to start hating each other, just simply the color of their t-shirt, red versus blue. And then how did the researchers bring the kids back together? By giving them a shared challenge to work towards together. Um, And that wasn't necessarily even a huge physical challenge. And we also know that undergoing physical, um, I don't want to say pain, because for kids, hopefully it's not pain, but physical challenge in a group serves as another way to bring people together. This is why the Navy SEALs have Hell Week. It's not because any of those exercises make you a better Navy SEAL. It's to bond the group. Um, in theory, this is why fraternities haze, even though that has gotten you know pretty out of control in, in ways that are dangerous. But the, the, basic, the basic tenet of doing something physical that is challenging with others is a way to bring people together uh, that withholds. Because again, it gets to our our core humanity. So you've got this bringing people together from different backgrounds in a way where differences are appreciated, but then there's also a core humanity. And you've got what Steve said, which is a structured and safe way to play, to take risks, to win, and to lose. I'll add one more point, which ties back to uh, two podcast episodes that we did last month on masculinity, which is... Not everyone, we talk about this in detail in these podcasts, so there's overlapping bill curves and every individual is different. But on average, young boys are inclined more towards physicality than young girls. And on average right now, young boys are falling way behind in America and in other Western countries. And youth sports 
is a place where young boys can learn discipline, where they're falling behind, accountability, where they're falling behind, and how to handle their physicality instead of have it channeled frenetically. So um, I think that in particular for young boys, youth sports is really important. Not to say that 99.9% of the benefits aren't also there for young girls, but there's this one additional fact, which is at a time when boys are failing, when we don't have positive visions for masculinity, boys tend towards the physical participation in sport is way down, as Steve said. I want to be clear. It's not every boy. Some boys do much better in the robotics club or in the musical or playing the trumpet, and that's all great, but on average. And I, I want to you know, bring some clarity to that maybe with some examples. Is I like to call it, it keeps boys and girls, but you know, in this sense, a lot of times boys, keeps them engaged and motivated in something that keeps them in the game until their like, interests catch up. And I saw this with myself. I saw this with uh, a, a number of athletes that I recruited in college where sport was the avenue where it was like, okay, I'll do okay in school. I'll stay eligible because I get to play sports. And then eventually, you know, over and over again, I'd see it in college, like someone would find some major that's interesting or something They're like, oh, I think I could do this. And then they graduate, get a degree, and now are like a healthy, happy, productive human being. And I'm not sure for some of them, I'm almost certain if they didn't have sport to keep them in the game through high school to graduating high school and then allowing them to get into college, I'm not sure that they would have a ended up with a high school degree in some cases or b almost certainly in some cases like had a college degree and i think that's important again we're not saying sport is the only avenue for this but the more avenues that we create for this that allow the people to kind of keep in the the game that's going to help them in the long term, which is academics, education, that we often neglect when we're in our teenage or, or youth years because, like, who wants to be good at uh, academics for some kids? Like, the more things that we have that keep people in, the better off we are. Yep, and we've been focusing on youth because we know that um, a lot of our core values and beliefs are forged during our youth. It's not to say that people don't and can't change. People do and often change. And yet, if you have a certain way of seeing the world that you were granted when you were young, um, whatever change you make in the future, that that's not going to go away. So this early exposure to, um, to failure, to other people from different backgrounds, to working together, um, to being good at something when otherwise you're, you're behind, uh, that's all so important in shaping someone's ability to be in community with other people, to have self-efficacy, to have confidence. Um, it really is a phenomenal teacher for a lot of young people. Now, we said that we're also going to talk a little bit about adult sports, and all that I'd say is the same holds true for lots of adults. So but before we go there, I want to address one thing that I think is important because we address the benefits. And Although we don't know for sure like why the decline is happening, why kids quit, I think we hinted at this, but I think it's really important to be explicit with this because this is like where we need to change. Yeah, and I, and I was going to get there, but but we can do it right now. Don't worry. Yeah, 
Okay, I was just going to go there before we go to adult sports because I think that the difference... Yeah, I'm curious to hear what you say. Listeners, we haven't scripted this. I think there are two major reasons. I'm curious what you think. So I I think three kind of big reasons. So All right, let's see if you cover my two or maybe we'll end up with four or five. Maybe. Okay, so we'll save the big one for last. Number one, I think, is what I'll just call costs. The cost for youth sports has gone up. Mainly because in a variety of places, we've shifted to more of a pay-to-play, especially at the high school and schooling levels, even in middle school. But mainly because what has happened is there's been a decline in what I'll call recreational opportunities or recreational leagues, and more of an emphasis towards travel, competitive, like select teams, what ha- whatever have you. And if you look at, as we've shifted towards that, the cost of participation in youth sports has kind of skyrocketed, going from you know a couple hundred dollars to maybe sign up for a league and get equipment to now, depending on the sport, you're into the several or many thousands per year, which I think causes a lot of things. The other number two, I would say, is um, kind of re- kind of related, kind of not, but it, it kind of connects, which is I would say injuries. So if you look at dropouts in youth sports, often it's because like kids get injured. Well, again, I don't have data on this on the top of my head, but I know we've seen an increase in what we'd call injuries, like overuse injuries at, at earlier and earlier years. Why? Because of specialization of sport, which is often tied to what? Decline in rec leagues, increase in competitive like travel leagues. And then the third thing I'll say is, what I'll just call like parents and sometimes coaches going nuts. And if you look at the data, there's some interesting data that shows that when they survey kids who quit sports, even successful, you know, or highly talented and successful ones, one of the big reasons for that is an increase in fear of failure, pressure, and feeling overwhelmed. And if we look at those things, one of the biggest contributors to those is parents chasing kind of success. And I, I think it's easy to, bl- the one caveat I'd say is it's easy to blame parents in this, but as you said at the beginning, like it's easy to get carried away. And I would also say that society has kind of pushed parents to get carried away because we've given it as like the one avenue to chase for like scholar college scholarships and money and all that, um, which is its own separate topic. But you know, one of the reasons that people do get carried away. Yeah, we we had the same the same reasons. You just separated um, you separated them out into an additional bucket. I was going to add. A couple other things that fall. So actually, it's kind of one big reason, which is the professionalization of youth sports. Yep. So from recreational, where it's free or very little cost, no barriers to entry, focuses on everyone playing and having fun, to cost money, focuses on specialization. If focus isn't on winning now, it's on winning later and getting a scholarship. And then all of these things are negative repercussions. I think in addition to the cost going up, um, the income inequality in the Western world has also gone way up. So not only is the raw cost going up, but the relative cost to people who um, aren't necessarily in the upper middle class or beyond, it's just hard to afford playing youth sports. 
And then there's also a time cost, which probably disproportionately affects people that are working two jobs or have really long hours. But I'll tell you what, is someone who has all the good fortune and privilege of having a job that I set my own hours and a wife who works part-time and works from home, freaking 6U baseball in a great low-key league, like it's a lot. They got to practice on Wednesday. They got a game on Saturday. Look over to the 7U travel team, and I'm sure they're practicing twice a week and playing tournaments every weekend. And that's fine if certain kids and parents want to do that. The problem is the recreational leagues have gone away because they've been replaced by this proliferation of travel and intensity. And we have nothing against intensity. Steve competed at the highest level. I was a pretty good high school athlete. And if my kid continues to like sports, I will love high school sports. But I think that that intensity has got to wait until high school because otherwise a kid can't be a kid and it can really mess with a family. Like, I wonder how many marriages are strained because of youth sports. You know, it's hard enough to have two or three young kids, and now you got to run around and travel everywhere every weekend for different kids. Um, when again, we know that that isn't what makes a kid great. Many of the best athletes in the world are discovered like in high school, and oftentimes they didn't even grow up playing the sport that they get selected for. If you're going to be a phenomenal athlete, it doesn't matter if you're playing on the eight U state travel team, or if you're playing on a basketball hoop with a chain link fence in the park, as long as you're playing and having fun and not getting hurt, you're going to be great. So I think that point is worth reiterating here because, you know, again, I dealt with parents and kids who, you know, were playing the scholarship game as everyone had to all all that stuff. Um, Often I think that we overemphasize the impact that we can have on like our future kids success in sports. Well, I'm just going to kind of be blunt. If they're going to make it at a decently high level, they're going to make it regardless of even if you didn't let them do anything like the talent has to come out. And if, if, if the talent, if they have some talent, but they're not going to work at it, whatever have you, no amount of you forcing them to run or train or what have you is going to express that talent either. It's got to come from them. And we see this over and over again. So instead of worrying about like, you know, if your U10 kid needs private lessons and blah, 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 like if they enjoy competing and enjoy competing at a at a decent level, like that's fine. Let them compete at the decent level. But if you're worried about this impacting their future and performance or the college scholarship, like you're headed down the wrong path. Absolutely yeah. wrong path. So I'm just going to share my heuristic with you, Steve. I'm curious what you think about this. Um, and I actually wrote this down knowing that I one kid is already expressing an enormous interest in sports and who knows if our younger daughter will as well, but K through five, it's like 80% to 90% to maybe 95%, depending on the sport. All that matters is that they have fun. And then the remaining 5% is learning the game, whatever the game may be. And obviously the older they get, the more it shifts from maybe 99% fun to 1% learning to 90% fun, 10% learning. Middle school, the goal is 
maybe 75% having fun, 25% learning the game, and also learning how to compete is a part of the game. So not winning, but learning what it means to win and lose and to want to win and to care, but also not to freak out completely if you lose. And then high school, it shifts to less fun and more about meaning and growth and development, and then learning the game and competing well. And again, ninth grade is going to look different than 12th grade. And then if you're lucky and your kid plays college sports, well, then they're a young adult and they get to define what it means to them themselves. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good heuristic. What I would say is instead of like, you know, X percent is having fun, I would I would say the way you have fun changes. Yes. So in high school, like learning how to compete becomes fun. Learning how to like come together as a team and strive for something that maybe your school, your whoever didn't think you could do, like becomes part of the fun. It's like it integrates more with the competition without losing the perspective. Love it. All right. So then let's just spend a couple minutes talking about adult sports. What I didn't mention in opening is this weekend was not only um, filled with youth sports for the Stahlberg family, but also adult sports. Uh, Caitlin, my wonderful wife, was the women's champion of the Jewish Community Center Falafel 5K, local race in North Asheville, about 100 participants. And uh, Caitlin, Caitlin took home the podium spot. You know... It's someone's got to have the running talent in the family. So I'm glad, I'm glad Caitlin is carrying it and holding it down for the impressive W. I have a very funny story about this. So on the way out the door, this is Caitlin's first endeavor back since giving birth to Lila five months ago, which is really impressive because she had a a surgical birth, a C-section. So the fact that she's running at all is neat, but, um, we're getting in the car and Caitlin's like, oh crap. I'm like, what? She's like, my vapor flies. I don't even remember that I had vapor flies. And for those that aren't into running, vapor flies are like the shoe where there was a huge debate. Is it cheating or not? And eventually they were deemed legal and apparently they make people much faster. And um, she hadn't run in them in like two years or a year and a half last time she raced. So we stop on the driveway. She runs upstairs and she gets the vapor flies. Now this is funny because Caitlin much faster than me, but right now her fitness, I mean, she was a 23 minute plus 5k runner. So we're not talking about an all American world-class runner here, but she had those vapor flies. And I'll tell you what, Steve, she beat the second place woman by 14 seconds. That woman came in in a pair of old Brooks. The vapor flies were the difference maker. (laughs) You know, you gotta, you gotta, sometimes the gear makes a difference. So Caitlin was joking. Here we are in Asheville and you can immediately pick out at the race who just like relocated here from the Bay area. It's like the douche with the vapor flies at the the race. And she's like, that was me. You know, Caitlin looked like the seasoned veteran out there understanding that, you know, what a running race is. She was decked out. I would have shown up with the, the, the shoes as well. So I don't fault her. Yeah, no, she took the W. It's great. We got a $25 gift card to the burial brewery, some nice sunglasses, Um, all right, but adult sports. So all the same benefits is youth sports at the recreational level. I think professional adult sports is a whole different ballgame. Yes. Um, but we're talking about 
men's league basketball, women's softball, running in your local running group, strength training at the gym, doing CrossFit, you name it. What's nice about adult sports is that um, even though we tend to gear them towards more individual, you can still find group settings to do them in. And I think that if you're fortunate and your community has this or you want to build it, you get the same benefits of being able to connect with people at an essential core human level when you're engaging in something physical with them. And this is particularly important for those that don't have super physical jobs. So if you are working construction, guess what? You're probably working with people from different backgrounds and y'all are like lifting really heavy things. And if one of you makes a mistake, the other person could get harmed. And you're probably like having some arguments. You're learning to be together in community and do hard things with people from different backgrounds. But for those of us that don't have that experience, I think um, adult sports really can help. Yeah, I think so. Another thing I think that is really important is that, and we know this from some of the data on loneliness, especially in our social media internet age, is that as we get into adults, a lot of people struggle to maintain relationships, make friends, etc., and a lot of our friendships, you know, especially with men, actually, there's some data on this, come from like jobs and pursuits and activities. And as some jobs, not all jobs, move to online or hybrid, I think that avenue for like creating friendships kind of decreases. So one place where this can be fulfilled and developed is through recreational kind of adult sports and activities, which I think is incredibly important. The other thing that I think is important too is it gives you something where you're like confronted with like doing something difficult and challenging when often difficult and challenging we can control and like seeing kind of your limits a little bit. And I think this is this, this this has value even if you're not performing at a high level. Like even though I'm not training super hard, there's still something refreshing that almost resets my internal alarm when I go out and like do a hard workout and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is what it's like to kind of suffer and want to quit yeah. something and work through something. Assuming you're not getting that elsewhere in a physical, very concrete way, right? Because Absolutely. Like, again, if you're working construction or you're in an Amazon warehouse, you're probably getting that. And if you're parenting or a physician or a teacher, you're doing super hard things every day, but there's something that's a little bit different about that physical, voluntary, in your control, very concrete. We are nothing if not consistent. This is why um, when people tell us about cold plunge, like this is probably the one benefit that Steve and I would agree with is it, it, it fills this need for a lot of people. I think we'd say you might as well do it in sports because you get all these other health benefits that you don't get from freezing cold water. But, um, it's, it, it is that, that, that very concrete physical, um, physical thing. And it also helps with maintaining appropriate, um, levels of lean body mass, uh, aerobic energy and, uh, capacity. Um, I think that the, the, the cool way to say that now is mitochondrial health it simply means like the little engines of your cells respond really well to exercise. And that's really important. So, um, doing it in a, in a sport environment also has the benefits of, um, of doing it with other people. 
Absolutely. A great way to build connection and community. Yeah. So, now the last I've got, well, okay. I've yeah, got yeah. one more thing on my mind before we wrap up. Some listeners, myself included, are going to think, well, what if my kid doesn't like sports or what if I don't like sports? How is this different than, I think I gave some other examples earlier, the robotics club or the school musical or um, doing woodshop? What would you say? Well, I think there's, it's like anything. There's a lot of similarities and overlap, but I also think youth sports provides a, you know, some distinct benefits just because of the structure of the activity. Meaning it's a lot like sports is one place where you actually kind of show emotion and experience. There's the physicality of it that we just talked about that is often different. You know, for example, for me, it's like doing something intellectually hard has a different experience from going down to the track and running a hard interval workout and both have benefits, but there's something unique and different to that as well. And then as I I think the other aspect as well is that often certain sports, not all sports, but certain sports allow for more diversity of background socioeconomic status, culture, race, etc., and bringing them together. Not all, but certain ones. So what you're saying is don't do youth sailing. Right. And and, and I'm not, if that's your thing, like go for it, but you're not going to get that as much benefit as being on uh, my favorite sport, the track team, where it's going to, you're going to pull all sorts of different body types and cultures and strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff or choose your other team sport that gets a lot of variety and diversity in there. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that it, it's important that if you've got a kid that just shows no interest in sports um, and that's paired with like a, a lack of athletic ability, that's really apparent. The last thing you want to do is force that kid to go out there and play against their will I don't think too many parents are doing that. I hope not. I think what's equally is bad is to take a kid that is super into sports and not give them the opportunity to play, which we discussed is often not just the parents making that decision. It's the professionalization of sports. It's income inequality. It's all these other things. And I think that's, that's the real, the real problem in, in the real challenge here. Um, and the last thing that I'll say is, I don't think that the issue of good or bad should really matter when kids are young, because I think it should just be about having fun, learning a skill, and that can really be for most kids. Uh, Obviously, if you're someone with a physical disability that prohibits you from playing the game, sure, that is an exception. Um, But... You know, wouldn't it be nice if there was a culture where even just like phys ed and recess at school was less about nonsense and more about like teaching kids how to use their body and challenge themselves. And, you know, what gives me hope. The kids these days are so much nicer than we were. Like the middle school kids, they don't bully nearly as much. They're much more open and kind. Um, 
And I've, I've had a couple conversations with the middle schoolers in my neighborhood and like, they still think like, Oh, like PE, like, like that class sucks. And I'm like, why? It's like, Oh, because like we 